Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Thank you so much for joining us again for Freedom Rings podcast. And I am just thrilled that we have my Senate colleague, Senator Susan Collins, who is joining us today. She has diligently served her home state of Maine for the past 25 years. That is 25 years in the U.S. Senate. And she has devoted her time in the Senate for Mainers and Americans' freedom. So we are so pleased to have the opportunity to chat with her and for you to learn a little bit more about Senator Susan Collins. And Susan, I just want to start with the fact that your family has a strong heritage in public service. There are four generations that have served in the Maine legislature, and both your mom and dad were mayors of Caribou, Maine. So as your family, as you were growing up, and your family would talk about this history of public service, how did they present this to a young Susan Collins who is deciding who she is and what she wants to be? Well, first of all, Marcia, let me say that it's a real privilege to serve with you, and I'm honored to join you on your podcast. I did grow up in a family that was dedicated to public service. My father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and great-great-grandfather all served in the Maine legislature. And as you mentioned, both my parents served as mayor of my hometown of Caribou, which is up in northern Maine, very close to the Canadian border. And my mother was the first woman to serve as the chair of the University of Maine System Board of Trustees. I always said that my mother became the chair of any board that she was either elected to or appointed to. So I had great role models right at home. And what my parents taught me was the importance of getting involved, that you could make a difference, and that you had an obligation to try to make your community, your state, and your country a better place. I remember one dinner conversation where my mother told me I was complaining about something at school. And my mother told me, you know, Susan, you can't stay on the sidelines and just complain. You have to get involved. And that led me to run for the student council and eventually become the president of the student council at Caribou High School. But it was their example, as well as the great example of the legendary Senator Margaret Chase Smith, the first woman to serve in both the House and the Senate. And so I grew up having a woman senator representing the state of Maine. 
And talk a little bit about that, because I know in high school, here you are a a blooming young leader, and people are seeing potential in Susan Collins to step up and lead. And you have that family history, and then you come on a trip to Washington, D.C., and you have the opportunity to visit with Senator Margaret Chase Smith, who just is such a barrier breaker for women. So talk about how that impacted you. What did you take away from that meeting? This was an extraordinary opportunity. Here I am, a senior in high school at Caribou High School, and I'm one of two students chosen in the state of Maine to go to Washington to participate in the Senate Youth Program, which as you know, still exists today. And I had never been on an airplane before. I had never met a United States Senator and I had never been to Washington, DC. Well, my senators were both famous, Margaret Chase Smith and Ed Muskie. And uh, I was so thrilled to meet both of them. But Margaret J. Smith, for reasons I will never understand but always appreciate, took me into her inner office and spent nearly two hours talking with me. And, you know, when we look at our busy schedules, for us to try to find two hours is virtually impossible. But she took that time and she talked to me about a host of issues including her famous speech against Joseph McCarthy, another senator, um, and in which she really led the way as a freshman senator herself. And I remember leaving her office thinking that women could do or be anything. Now, that may seem obvious. I hope it's obvious to young girls growing up today, But this was back in 1971, where we weren't quite sure. And I was so proud that Maine had the only woman serving in the Senate and that she was my senator. And although I certainly didn't know it at the time, looking back, I believe that that was the first step in my journey to the United States Senate. And today, I'm very proud that I hold Margaret J. Smith's seat. I I just think that is such a wonderful uh, tie a ribbon on it and wrap it in a bow sort of moment because you met her. She impacted your life and the choices that you made as you moved into your college career as you moved into your career and public service, it was always that pivotal moment that helped to shape. And Susan, I think it shows the impact of how important it is to have a well-placed word with people. You never know what kind of impact that is going to have on a young person and how it's going to encourage them to open doors and to dream big dreams and to really shape their world view. So knowing that story and you're sharing that story will help other young women to realize public service can be an option for them. 
And they can make a difference in preserving freedom for our country. I want to ask you also, as you look at your public service and where you've kept your focus while you've served in the Senate, then what is an achievement and a couple of things that you have achieved that have really been impactful that you have said, you know what, um, this adds a definition to my work, and this really changes lives in the state of Maine. Well, let me give you two examples. One goes back many years, but we just recently not celebrated, but commemorated the 20th anniversary of the horrendous terrorist attacks on our country. And at the time, I headed the committee that became the Homeland Security Committee. And I worked with Senator Joe Lieberman um, of Connecticut and with the 9-11 Commission And with the Bush administration, uh, the George W. Bush administration, uh, to put together the most sweeping reforms in our intelligence community since the end of World War II, when the CIA was created. What we had found was that intelligence information was siloed across more than 20 agencies and that information was not shared that might, might have allowed our government to detect Al-Qaeda's plot against our country that stole 3,000 lives that horrible September day in 2001. And I'm very proud to have having put together that legislation, and I believe that it has kept us safer and helped to preserve our freedom. The second example I will give you, it's more recent, and it was during the pandemic. I had served in the first George Bush administration as the regional head in New England of the Small Business Administration. And I could see all of these small businesses that were being forced to shut their doors because of the pandemic and because of the lockdown of the economy and were having to lay off their workers who were losing their jobs through no fault of their own. So I came up with the concept of what became the Paycheck Protection Program. And This gave forgivable loans to small businesses as long as they kept paying their employees so that we could keep that bond between employers and employees intact, help people who were laid off through no fault of their own, and ensure that we did not lose those small businesses forever. It was a very successful program, not perfect, but very successful. In my state alone, it brought $3 billion into the state and forgivable loans, and it helped to preserve more than 250,000 jobs. So uh, if I had to pick just two, those were two where I felt I made a difference for the country, made us safer, preserved our freedoms, 
made a difference for the hardworking men and women of our country in the state of Maine um, and preserve small businesses, which are really the backbone of our economy. Well, they are the backbone of our economy. And in addition to growing up in a <clears throat> pardon me, in a family that values public service, you also grew up in a family that has a sixth-generation lumber company. So you understand how hard people work when they own those small businesses that are so vitally important to the community, and you put that to work. Also, as you worked on the Paycheck uh, protection program. Uh, you worked with me and uh, Senator Rubio also worked with us in changing the definition of small business and allowing those sole proprietors, independent contractors, self-employed that still were working and trying to provide some of those essential services. And Tennesseans appreciate the fact that you opened that door, it saved a lot of people in the music community. And I'm grateful that you worked with me to get that done so that it saved a lot of our musicians. Marcia, I want to commend you for your contributions to that law. You were the first to point out that there were a lot of people who were independent at gigs I have a niece who is a jazz singer, and so I can really relate to that. And um, you came to me, and we discussed the need to make sure we took care of people like that, who's, I know in the case of my niece, all of her performances, literally all of them were canceled. Mm -hmm. And it, um, it was really important in a state like yours, where you have so many incredibly talented musicians and uh, other performers to make sure they could make it through this very difficult period. So thank you for Absolutely. your Absolutely. Thank you for that. Let's talk a little bit about what freedom means to you. I know your faith. Uh, you and I were in a women's Bible study group for a period of years when I was in the house. And I know your faith informs that view of freedom. So talk a little bit about what freedom means to Senator Susan Collins. Freedom is a fundamental value in our country. And to me, it is a motivating factor it's part of what shapes me, and it is a value that I am committed to preserving. And the reason I mentioned that is I'm very concerned that we are losing freedoms in this country. I look at many of our college campuses, for example. I've actually had interns tell me that they have to avoid an, a certain professor if they're going to intern in my local main office. Yeah. That is just appalling. That is taking away their freedom to say what they believe and to be who they are. To me, those are core principles of freedom. 
It's being able to say what you believe and to be who you are. And when government or a politically correct culture starts infringing on those freedoms, we have a serious problem. And I think in the academic world, this has become a real crisis where increasingly there is only one way to think. I look even at my own college, St. Lawrence University in upstate New York, which I loved. I so enjoyed it. I had a wide variety of professors who exposed me to a wide variety of philosophies and views, but they never attempted to stifle what I thought. They just tried to expose me to different ways of thinking and to teach me to think critically. Now that has changed. And for example, after I, after a lot of study, a lot of the interviewing, um, made my decision to vote for Justice Kavanaugh, um, my own college had half the faculty write a letter asking that an honorary degree I had received be rescinded. That is the opposite of freedom, the opposite. And I worry about the intolerance that I am seeing increasingly on, on college campuses where there's only one way that you're allowed to think. Uh, there should be, it, people should be encouraged to explore a wide variety of points of views, but uh, should not be indoctrinated. And I know you feel strongly about that yes, issue. Yes, I do. And Senator Cotton and I uh, posted an op ed today dealing with this campus free speech issue because it is so vital. I have a friend that summed it up so well. And her daughter was on the way to college, and she said, you know, I feel as if she is going to go into an an experience where her mind right now has been so open, and she's had a wonderful high school career. But going to college, it's going to be like a funnel where it becomes smaller and smaller to get through a very small opening. And she and her husband had been talking about what they wanted to do was to have her exposed to different experiences and different points of view and to learn how to do that critical thinking and reasoning and be analytical about situations and that they were very concerned about the effect the cancel culture would have on her maturity and her exposure. So you are so right on that. Well, Susan, we are grateful that you are in the U.S. Senate. And thank you so much for joining me today for Freedom Rings. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. 
And you can always find us online at marshablackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Rings.